right now. All right. It, everything worked fine uh, for the last two broadcasts that I've done out here this afternoon, so I'm going to assume everything will work fine now. All right. If you have your Bibles, Gospel of John, we're going to pick, pick up where we left off on Sunday. Gospel of John. There's uh, weeping and gnashing in the nursery. Okay, yeah. That's probably not your fault. Yeah. Probably, no, they, as soon as they heard my voice, they were like, what is going on? All right. All right, John chapter 13. On Sunday evening, we started working on John chapter 13 for the Bible study exercise this week. Um, we've done a little bit more work. I think I have Twyla's homework right here, so I'm going to be using that for my sermon notes. Okay, no, but I have her, uh, her homework. But John chapter 13, let's remind ourselves what we have done. First thing we did is we started working on a very basic outline of John chapter 13, but we did something different with our outline. Instead of starting at the beginning, we started where? At the end of the section, and in John chapter 13, the first thing we found is found in verses 15 through 17, where we read these words, For I have given you an example, this is Jesus speaking, For I have given you an example, that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are if Happy are ye if ye do them. That's John chapter 13, verses 15 through 17. And we use that for our first point in our outline. And the first point of our outline was the purpose. That states the purpose. What precedes those verses, what precedes those verses is an event involving Jesus and his disciples. And that gives us the purpose of it. And that purpose tells us it's an example. There's kind of a theological lesson in there. And then there's the idea of the source of happiness. All that flows from the lesson that comes before it. Then we jump back to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, where we read these words. Now, before the feast of the Passover... When Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And supper being ended, the devil having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand, and that he had come from God and went to God. We place verses 1 through 3 as point 2 of our outline, and we refer to this as the setting. So we have the purpose, we have the setting. Then, starting in John chapter 13, verse 4, He riseth from supper, he laid aside his garments, he took a towel, and girded himself. Starting in verse 4, all the way down to verse 14, we refer to that entire section as what? The event. However, we said that the event should be understood as what? A parable. And what do we, does that mean we are denying the historical reality of what took place? No. What we are saying is that what occurs here clearly pictured something spiritual, a heavenly spiritual truth. And the reason we drew this conclusion, not only have many in church history drawn the same conclusion, but I believe there are clues within the text itself that screams at the reader, hey, pay attention, pay attention, there's something going on, pay attention, there's something going on here, pay attention. So, just briefly, really quick, this is going to be a lot of, uh, putting a lot of work on you uh, this evening, so you, you probably are, should uh, hope more people were here, but you're going to have to do the work. I want you to look through John 13, 1 through 17, and I want you to ad- identify every verse that seems to scream, wait a minute, there's something going on here. See which ones you can find, all right? John 13, I'll give you a second. If anyone's listening online and you're using the Spreaker app, by all means, um, jump into the chat and offer your answers as well, all right? John 13, 1 through 17. The first, whenever you find the first one, just raise your hand and go, I, well, that one seems to indicate something's going on here. Right? You have to, you're going to have to defend your answer. Okay? All right. Here we go. John 13, 1 through 17. 
We've outlined it. Now we need to try to, we've got to try to defend this concept that there's a parable. And the reason we need to defend that, this principle is because everything we're going to be looking at tonight, it depends on this being a parable. It really does. Right? So if we can't prove it, then everything begins to fall apart. So, what does anybody have? I know you're like, man, there should be more people here. And I wouldn't have, I'm just going to sit here and eat oatmeal cookies until y'all come up with an end. No, I'm joking. I'm not going to do that. But. So we're defending the parable. I, I, we're not, def- we're, you're looking for scripture that would indicate mm, there's something going on here. All right. Twyla's already answered. Okay. All right. Twyla's answered. She says, verse 7. Jesus answered and said unto him, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Why should that give you an, a, a, like a massive clue? Why should that be a clue? Well, I mean, what has Jesus done up to this point? He's washing their feet. Anybody should be able to figure out what they're doing. So if Jesus said, you don't know what I'm doing, makes absolutely no sense in a literal reading of the text. I'm washing your feet, but you don't know what I'm doing. No, I think I very much understand what you're doing. You're washing our feet. Clearly, Jesus is demonstrating that washing the feet indicates something far greater than they understand. And what we've already shown is that we believe that everything that he does is picturing the spiritual reality of the incarnation, of the uh, earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, right? He rises up, that's, le- that's standing up from the throne of glory. He removes his garments, that's in a sense setting aside his glory. He girds himself with a towel, that's wrapping himself in human flesh. He comes to the earth, he pours water in a basin, that's the idea of pouring out his blood, Right? Then after he's done, he stands back up, puts his garments back on, and sits back down. After Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, what does he do? Returns to the right hand of the Father and sits down, right? And, and puts on the garment of glory again. So all of that's pictured, we believe. All right? Is there another verse that would be like, well, that one seems to be a good one. I think verse 7 is a great one. In fact, okay. Oh, Twyla now has said verse 8. Okay, Twyla's going to do all the work. And verse 10. All right, Twyla's giving us all the answers, right? So Twyla's going to do the preaching. I, uh, what, this is how it's going to work. Twyla's going to send me what to say, and then I'm just going to read it. Read it. Okay, now here we go. Verse 8. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus uh, answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Now that would seem kind of weird, because they've been together for a while walking in their earthly ministry, Right? So why would all of a sudden Jesus like, if, if, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part of me? Wait, what? Wait, wait. So you should be washing our feet every day. Correct? That should tell you, hmm, something is going on, right? So that's verse 7. That's verse 8. What's the next verse? 10, okay? Verse 10. Jesus saith unto him, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and ye are clean, but not all. For And look at verse 11. For he knew who should betray him, therefore he said, ye are not all clean. Verse 11 immediately tells you what? He's not referring to the cleanliness of their feet. And how do we, because the verse says he knows who would betray him. This is not about dirty feet. This indicates something's going, now something is going on. I, I cannot stress this enough. This is so very, 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 very important. All right? This is like, this is like hermeneutics 101 here. All right? So many times you'll get into it. I know it can be confusing for a lot of people. They're like, well, wait a minute. So sometimes in the Bible, people will like, here, this is a type, and this is a symbol, and this is a symbol, and this is a symbol. And then you'll have some preachers who are like, no, it's not. You'll have other preachers say, yes, it is. And the average person is like, would you all shut up? I don't understand. All right. Here's the rule, okay? Unless the text drives you in that direction, be very hesitant to go all, oh, it's a type and it's a symbol. The text has to give you a clue. I think John 13, 1 through 17, how many clues do you need? How many clues do we have there? How many clues did I just give you? Right? Right. 
All, uh, and what was the first one? Okay, you don't understand what I'm doing. I mean, if that doesn't give you a clue, because anyone could understand what he's doing, right? So clearly what he's doing goes beyond what they see. Next. Unless I wash you, you have no part of me. Well, wait a minute. That means Jesus should have been washing their feet every morning, every afternoon, every evening, every day. Well, clearly this is the first time we have any record of it happening. And how do we know it's the first time? Because clearly Peter's reaction demonstrates that this is not something he had experienced before. All right, so right there gives us a good indication. Next. Okay, you're clean, but not all of you. And then the very next verse, verse 11 says, yeah, but it says why he says it. He knew someone was going to betray him, which immediately tells us that the cleanliness here has nothing to do with feet. Right? So now we know there's something going on. Does that make sense? So now we know something is going on. So, we are going to look, oh wait, uh, Twyla said verse 12, okay, yeah, uh, oh, so after he had washed their feet and had taken his garments and was set down again, he said unto them, know ye what I have done to you? He asked the question because clearly they don't know what's going on. They don't understand. Right? So, so we have plenty of, of verses here to indicate something's going on. So here's what we need to do. We've looked at the act of Jesus washing the feet. Yes? We've looked at that. So here's what we need to do. I want us to do some work on the concept. In fact, I'm going to pull, I'm going to go back to my other notes here. um, Because I separated these notes into completely separate things here. Um, I want us to look, starting in verse, where do we want to go to? Um... We're going to go to verse 5, okay? And we're going to go from verse 5, I believe, down to verse 12. Well, no, no, 5 all the way, we're going to go all the way down to verse 14, I believe. 5 through 14. And we're going to focus the entire evening on one word. Wash. Now, it may be used washed, or, but wash. It's you, you start, go, start in verse 5. I think, it's, I think the last usage is verse 14. Or just look through 1 through 17. Here's this. Go John 13, 1 through 17. You write down every occurrence of the word wash, washed, at whatever tense it may be found. Write them all down and write down the verse next to them. All right? Wash, washed, washing. Just write them down and write down the reference. Make sure you don't miss one. If you miss one, this whole exercise is going to fall completely apart. And if you're listening online, you can feel free. You can put that in the chat, right? If you would like, right? I have Twyla's homework right here, so I already know Twyla's done this already once. So if Twyla doesn't want to do that again, that's okay. Yeah. See, I have, I have Twyla's notes right here. The handwritten notes. <laughs> I have the screenshot of them. All right. Does everyone agree that in verse 1 through 4, the word wash or washed or washing is not used? Can everybody agree on that? So that would make the first verse where, that, that uses it is where? Five. Okay. How many times is it used in verse 5? Once. Does everybody agree? Because we do have different translations in here. Okay. All right. Everyone agrees. Verse 5, it's used once. Okay. That brings us down to verse 6. Is it used in verse 6? How many times? Once. All right. So that means we've got twice so far, right? Verse, wait, that's 5 and 6. Verse 7. Nope. Everybody agree it's not in 7? All right. Verse 8. It's used twice. Everybody agree it's used twice? Yes? Okay. How about verse 9? Okay, verse 10, twice, right? Verse 11, nope, 12, how many times? Once, and is that it? Verse 14, it's used, right? All right, it's used just once or twice? Twice. 
Twice. All right. Is that it? All right. So how many times total? Nine times. Right? Does everybody agree with the nine? All right. I'll look at the, make sure no one posts anything different in the chat because someone will say 57. Okay, no. All right. <laughs> make sure. Okay. All right. Now, what would be a logical thought at this moment based off everything we've looked at so far, not only uh, on Sunday, but now tonight? What would be a logical conclusion that one can come to that would make perfect sense with everything that I've just said leading up to this very moment at this very second? That the washing would have to be viewed in a, as a parable in some way, shape, or form because we've already demonstrated that the rest of the text is a parable, yes? Okay. Did you see that? Would that be a logical assumption? Okay, so we've got to figure out the washing now. What is the wa- so? What would be some questions we would have about the washing then? What does it represent? Yes. Now we can start making all kinds of assumptions. We could start. I could go to commentaries, but we're not going to do that right now. You know what we're going to do? What do you think we have to figure out? What do you think we have to figure out? All right. Uh, Stacy said 57. All right. So Stacy is being a, a smart aleck. Okay. So that's, that's good to know. All right. All right. So, yeah, she's listening. That's true. All right. So, um, we've got, we've got to, uh, we got to figure out what this wash or washing could mean. So, what would be the, a logical step to take here? Let's determine if every use of the word wash, washing, wash, is it the same Greek word? Even if it's a different Greek word, is it really basically the same meaning? Or do we have some drastic different meanings here? If we come up with different meanings, then we have to ask ourselves, well, wait a minute, if it's all about washing, why are there different Greek words with different meanings? Okay, so if anyone listening online, if you have the Blue Letter Bible app, this would be a great time to open it. All right, Blue Letter Bible app. I will have to close the... uh, I've got to close the Spreaker app right now because I'm going to be going to the Blue Letter Bible app and I'll have to be playing the audio here, okay? So, let's go to John 13. John 13, and everyone agrees the first use of wash is found in verse 5. Does everyone agree? Okay, everybody agrees. So I want to make sure I'm giving everyone the opportunity here to, to say. All right, so the first use of wash is... Uh, found, right, if we, I'm, I'm going to read it right from the interlinear. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash, right? That is this Greek word. Strong's G, 3538, nipto, 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 nipto. It is used how many times in the King James? 17 times. How, many, how is it translated all 17 times? Wash. Nipto is used 17 times in the King James, and it's all 17 translated wash. What is that? Does that give you a clue as a, as a Bible student? Does that give, give everybody a clue? What, what should that tell us? Okay, so you, now in other words, we don't get into some big argument going, well, wait a minute, it's translated this way over here, it's translated, we don't get into that. Remember, because that always breaks down into chaos. We all know that, right? I try to get us involved in this process enough, you know what can happen. So, well, well, wait a minute, over there it was translated that, so it should be, and I'm like, oh, everyone calm down, okay? So in this case, nobody can do that, right? So Nipto is translated, is 17 times, and it's translated every time as wash, right? What is Strong's definition of Nipto? To cleanse, especially the hands or the feet or the face in a ceremonial way, right? Everybody see that? To perform an ablution, wash. Right? Everybody see that? All right. So, it seems to, uh, and we could go through all the different ways, right? In fact, let's just go through some of them quickly. Where's the first place it's used in the New Testament? Matthew six seventeen and how is it used? Okay, referring to the face. Okay, 
All right, Ma uh, Matthew uh, fifteen two. Transgress the tradition of the elders, for they wash not their hands. So it's talk about washing the face, washing the hands. All right, Mark seven three refers to washing of the hands. John nine seven. Okay, that seems to possibly be referring to the whole body. Would everyone agree that would, would make some kind of sense? Yes? Now, listen, I, I want us to go through these, and here's the reason why. Okay, now you, I'm just going gonna to go ahead and kind of give you a, a hint here. Many of the commentaries and many sermons will grab these Greek words and say, see, this Greek word means this kind of washing. This Greek word means this kind of washing. So this picture's this, and this picture's that. If, the Greek, if that doesn't hold water, no pun intended, right? If that doesn't work, then we, we need to understand that so that you're not tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. All right? Because this is, this is one, I know sometimes it drives people crazy that what, he opens up the blue letter app, he plays the Greek word. Why do that? Because I'm wanting you to look and see. Because I get sick and tired of hearing sermons where I'm told this means this in the Greek or this means this in the Hebrew. They draw some amazing conclusion and then five seconds of work, I'm like, that's a total lie. And you know why they gave me the total lie? They didn't look it up. They took it from a commentary. Don't trust a commentary. Don't trust a sermon. Learn to do the work yourself. Now, if you want to be Catholic, you don't need to do the work. You want to be a Protestant? Your responsibility. Protestants want to be Protestants because they don't want to listen to the Pope, but they, don't, they, but they want to be Catholic when it comes to not being willing to do the work and study on their own. And I can't, that drive, there's nothing that drives me, oh, that gets me so upset, okay? We gotta do the work. So, because immediately someone could say, well, the first wash just refers to what? Someone could argue that the first washing just refers to washing of the feet. But what we've seen is so far, nipto can refer to washing of what? Let's go through them again. Face, hands, and I, I mean, John 9, 7, how would you understand it? Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which by interpretation sent, he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. Now, did he go to the pool and just... Okay. Uh-huh. Okay, so do you think it could just be the face? All right, uh, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to argue both ways because I like getting you thinking. So, so the argument is, let's go, so it's, this is John 9, right? Okay. Indicating... Hey, clay in his eyes and watch. So we're going to make it, we can make a textual argument then. Should be just the face. Does anybody agree or disagree? Like it? I, because we, we, want to, we want to make sure if there's any possibility that this washing goes beyond that. Just so that everyone online knows what we're talking about, because I don't want anyone to, to miss what we're talking about. Everybody go to John 9 really quick. Let's go to John 9 really quick. I know this takes a little bit of time, but I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play devil's, devil's advocate here, because I really want to make sure that if we draw a conclusion, I want to make sure that this conclusion is so good that nobody can make any argument against it, okay? All right, let's go to John chapter 9. Go to verse 1. We're going to read the whole thing so that no, there can be no argument, okay? And uh, if, there, if a word wash is used here in John 9 that does not show up as nipto, someone let me know, all right? Okay, here we go. John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. 
I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. When he had thus spoke, he, had, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, that is Nipto. All right. There's, so he tells him to go Nipto, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed. Is that Nipto? All right, Nipto. And came seeing. Verse 8, the neighbors, therefore, they, uh, the neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, seen him that he was blind, said, is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, this is he. Others said, he is like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore, they said they unto him, how were thine eyes opened? He answered and said, a man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes and said, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. Is that Nipto? Okay. And I went and washed and I received sight. Is that Nipto? All right. So we could argue from the text that clearly this refers to possibly washing the face alone. Is everybody okay with that? Everybody good? All right. Uh, verse 15. Then again, the Pharisees uh, also asked him. He had received his sight. He said unto them, He put clay upon my eyes, and I washed and do see. Meaning, nipto, right? All right. So every use of nipto could all refer to the washing of the face. Everybody agree? Well, I'm just saying in, in, in that particular section. All right, now, let's go back to the Blue Letter Bible app. All right. I'm going to play devil's advocate because when, by doing that, whenever we come up with a conclusion, then you'll be like, well, there's no question. Remember how we did with it, the word Israel? Remember how I played devil's advocate every way I could possibly try to come up with a way? All right, All right here we go. So Matthew 6, 17, it refers to the washing of what? The face. Matthew 15, 2, what does it refer to? The hands. Matthew 15, 2 is the hands. Everybody agree? Okay. Mark 7, 3. Hands. John 9, 7. We've now established by context that John 9, 7, John 9, 11, John 9, 15 would all refer to the washing of the eyes. Okay. Or the face. We should say the face. Okay. And so no problems there. Then we come to John 13, 6. Or John 13, 5. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. That seems to indicate exactly which washing that's referring to, right? Washing of the feet. All right, John 13, 6. Then cometh he to Simon Peter and saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? There's Nipto. John 13, 8. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Right? Everybody see that? All right. John, that's John 13, uh, John 13, 10. We have wash used again. It's Nipto. John 13, 12, used again. John 13, 14, it's used again. And then, so all of those. And then we have 1 Timothy 5, 10. Uh, well reported of for good works. If you have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet. Now, Someone keep a, a, a look at all of those Nipto, all the times Nipto is used there in John 13, right? Just keep that open, okay? Everybody got that? So, could we agree that it seems to make sense that Nipto is always used to refer to the washing of, how can we say it? Face, hands, feet. Do we see it used any other way? Oh, we do? Okay, not Nipto, not Nipto. Yeah, that's what we're going to get to. All right. So can everyone agree that Nipto refers to washing of hands, feet, and face? And doesn't appear to ever be used for anything else. The, the one that you could possibly go, wait, here it is, is the washing in the pool, but the context seems to indicate what was washed. Agreed? Doesn't indicate... That's what we're going to try to figure out. But is the same Greek word used? 
If it's used nipto, then that's what we're going to have to leave it. We're going to leave nipto to hands, feet. We're going to use it to those kinds of things for now. Yeah, hands, feet, face, right? Everybody agree? All right, now go back to John 13. John 13. All right. I know it's going to take a, a while to work through this, but I'm, when, when we're done, you're going to know nobody's going to be able to, to, to lie to you in any way, shape, or form. All right. All right. So we, we covered the one in verse five. Everyone agree? Now, everybody, someone else keep that nipto open. All right. Because if you keep that open and you can tell me, oh, no, that's nipto and we don't have to go look it up and it will save time. Does that make sense? Yes. Every single time. No, okay, no. That's what. It, that's why I want someone to keep up Nipto because we're going to find some that aren't, and that's where things can get interesting. Okay, all right. Is everybody, is everybody with me now? All right. John thirteen five. After he poureth water into a basin and he began to wash. Everyone agree that's Nipto. All right. Wash uh, uh, their feet, uh, the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord. Dost thou wash my feet? Is that Nipto? Verse 6, Nipto, everybody agree? All right. Verse 7, Jesus answered and said unto them, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. Verse 8, Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Is that Nipto? Everybody agree that's Nipto? All right. Verse 9, Oh, if, hey, I'm sorry, you should never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Is that Nipto? Yeah. All right, so far so good. All right, so at this point, it's looking like it's going to be Nipto every time. All right, but we'll see. Verse 9, Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said unto him, he that is washed, stop right there. Is that Nipto? Uh-oh, now we got a different Greek word. All right, John 13, 10. Now I've got to close this again. John 13, 10. All right, John 13, 10. Uh, Saith to him, Jesus, he that is washed. That's not nipto, is it? It's this Greek word. Strong's G, 3068. Luol. Luo. Luo. All right. Nipto, Luo. Right? Now, Luo is used how many times? Six. Six. How is it translated every time? Wash. All times in the King James, it's always translated wash. Why is that important? Well, hang on, hang on. Right now, we're just dealing with, why is it important that every single time it's translated wash? There's no argument. There's no dispute. There's no debate. We always want to remove all the... Look, remember, the more you can find that you can say, I I am absolutely certain of this, whenever you move forward and you may find into something that's controversial, you always have a place to go back to that's... You always want to try to build that foundation to stand on, right? When you're dealing with biblical interpretation, language, theology, you're always going to find things that nobody can agree on. You've got to build those things that nobody can argue against. Nobody can argue against that Nipto and Luo are all translated wash in the King James. That's the fact. All right? So there we have something to stand on, yes? Okay. Good. It's used six times. The, transla- uh, the definition, according to Strong's, is to bathe the whole person, whereas, remember this word? Strong's G, 3538, Nipto. Nipto. Okay. Now, I've got to go back to, uh, I got to go back to the verse we were in. 3538. Okay. Um, see, uh, where, what verse are we in? Are we in 10? Yeah, okay. okay. All right, I, want to be, I, had, I had to leave it to go look up that uh, definition. All right. Uh, that is wash. Okay, Luo. All right. So, Luo means to bathe the whole person, whereas 3538, Nipto, means to wet a part only. And then they give us a different Greek word, which we won't look at right now. means to wash your cleansed garments exclusively. Wash. So, 
Luo refers to what? Bathing the whole person. Right? The outline of biblical usage to bathe, wash of a dead person, that's very interesting. Washing to cleanse blood out of wounds. Now, let's go back and let's use the exact Greek words now. Right? Everybody ready? John 13, 5. After that, he poureth water into a basin and began to wash, nipto, the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Then cometh Simon Peter, then he cometh to Simon Peter and saith unto him, Lord, dost thou wash my feet? Nipto. Jesus answered, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou will know hereafter. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never nipto my feet. Jesus answered, If I nipto thee not, thou hast no part with me. Simon Peter saith unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hand and my feet. Jesus saith unto him, He that is luo needeth not save to... We have another wash. What do we have there? We have nipto. To wash his feet, but is clean every whit, and you are clean, but not all. Jesus draws a distinction between the two washings. Does it not at least appear that way? Would everyone agree with that? There appears to be a distinction made. I'm going to go back and open. There you go. If you've been luo, bathed, then you only need to be nipto, washed in feet, hands, and face. Or feet, hands, and eyes. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Because when, in verse 9, Peter says to, uh, to wash what? Face. Oh, so, so interesting. He, uh, Peter seems to understand nipto means the extremities, right? Okay, okay that, that's a good point. That's a good catch right there. That's a good, a good point. So, there's a distinction seemingly to be happening. What, what, what is Jesus seeming to say? If I don't nipto your feet, you have no what? No, pardon me. Okay, no, okay, that, okay, what is that referring to? Then Jesus, but Peter's like, okay, then wash, nipto all of my extremities. And Jesus is like, if you've been luo, bathed, then you are what? Clean. You're clean, but you still need to be nipto. What in the world is going on here? Now, you, 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 got, you, got to acknowledge, you got to acknowledge this sounds a little confusing, right? Wait a minute. If I'm clean, then why are you washing my feet? Jesus just said, if I luo, you're clean. So there's a clean, there's a clean that you can have, but still requires another cleaning. I'm clean, but I'm not clean, right? Like, how do I understand that? Right? That's verse 10. Okay, right? We, we covered everyone in verse 10. If you see one we missed, let me know. Right? So, that brings us to where? Okay. okay what does the uh, NIV say in verse 10? Okay. So, if you've been bathed, then you only need the extremities. All right? But someone's not clean. Someone is not clean seemingly to go, they've not been bathed at all. Someone hasn't been bathed at all. Okay? All right? Well, 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 well that's where we think we're going. That's where we think we're going, okay? And who is the person who hasn't been bathed at all? Does the next verse say, verse 11? Who betrays him? He's referring to Judas. Judas, not clean. The rest, Peter, you've been luo, you've been bathed, but you need nipto. So, you see, this, this is the kind of stuff that you should detect and make, immediately make you go, something's going on here. Okay, now what verse are we down to now? His feet. 
as far as we can tell, then why? Right? That, 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 but not bathed, right? So the washing of the feet was not be sufficient. He needed both. Does that make, does that make some kind of sense? Okay, right, all right. Okay, that's verse, what verse was that? What verse did we just look at? 10, okay. We looked at 11. There's no use of, of washing 11. Agreed? Okay, all right. Okay, uh, uh, someone just stated that uh, that there are that in their study Bible it says that there are manuscripts that don't have except for his feet, so we may have a textual variant in that. Um, we will have to look into that. I can't look into that now. Um, I think it's in verse yeah verse ten. All right. In other words, he that is washed needeth not save to uh, save to wash his feet. I guess there's some manuscripts that don't have that. Right, which then may destroy the, which could cause a problem. Okay, which could, but I mean, we would have to understand which manuscripts don't. Why, you know, we'd have to get into a whole discussion there. But that's that's interesting, though. That's interesting. Right, I'm glad I'm glad that was brought up. Okay, all right. Next, so what what verse have we've looked at so far? We looked at ten and eleven, right? Verse twelve. Yes, is wash mentioned in verse twelve? Okay, is it nipto every time? Does everyone agree that it's Nipto every time in 12? It's only one time, right? And what does he say? Okay, so just right back to washing their feet. Verse 13, not there. Verse 14 is the last time. And uh, it's used once or twice? It's twice in 14? Okay, I'm I'm just standing here with uh, with no notes in front of me. Okay, Nipto, Nipto. So only one time is Luo used. Everybody agree? And it's interesting, because Luo refers to a bath, but it also refers to washing of a dead body, which is very, very interesting. Right? Super interesting. Agreed? Now, here's what we're going to do. Oh, I know, yeah. That, yeah. Now, you see why you can immediately go around and start going, oh, 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 I got to, you can just start trying to go crazy with stereo, with type, typology and symbolism. But let's at least step back and let's consider I'm going to read from one commentary, and let's see if you, if you agree or disagree with this, all right? And uh, thanks for, for bringing up the manuscript issue. We'll have to look into it to see what we can find, because that, um, that is very interesting. Okay, now, let's do this. Everybody ready? Right, if I can find my notes. All right, here we go. Here's according to one commentary. As Peter watched the Lord washed his friend's feet, He became more and more disturbed and could not understand what he was doing. As you read the life of Christ in the Gospels, you cannot help but notice how Peter often spoke impulsively out of his ignorance and had to be corrected by Jesus. Peter opposed Jesus going to the cross, Matthew 16, 21 through 23. He tried to manage our Lord's affairs at the transfiguration, Matthew 17, 1 through 8. He expressed faith of the disciples, John 6, 66 through 71, without realizing that one of that, the number was a traitor. The word translated wash, here we go now, this is where they're going to get to it. The word translated wash in John 13, 5 through 6, 8 and 12 and 14 is nipto, meaning to wash a part of the body. But the word translated washed in John 13, 10 is luo and means to bathe all over. The distinction is important for Jesus was trying to teach his disciples the importance of a holy walk. Now, let's stop right here. The commentary just mentions briefly the difference in Greek words, nipto and luo. We have, a, we have confirmed that there is a difference, yes? The only one where we, someone could have possibly, well, he went and bathed in the pool of Siloam. And someone could argue, wait, 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 wait. But I, I had, someone figured it out and someone spoke up and said, no, 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 no. That's the washing of the face. So we can be dogmatic that there's a difference in the Greek words. Yes. 
Now the commentary takes that difference and they just ran. They, like, they did not stop. They ran straight to go as fast as they could. They didn't stop by Monopoly Gel to, to figure it out. They went straight to go and what did they declare? This is about a holy walk. Now, you, why would they go with a holy walk? Why do you think they would go there? Because the washing of what? Feet. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. Remember how I do the Bible study exercise. I teach like I know. Sometimes I teach like I don't know. Because I try to get everyone involved here. Okay? But you can see why it would be tempting to run there. I'm not saying it's wrong right now. I got to play devil's advocate through a, a lot of this because I got to get you thinking. I just want you to see how a commentary can just show you, hey, two different Greek words, and then immediately jump to the conclusion, and they state it in a dogmatic way. When you read John 13, does Jesus get to the end and go, hey, guys, I just taught you the importance of a holy walk. So then it's left to whom? Us. Now, immediately when it comes to us, there's certain things we know about us. What do we know about us? We're fallible. Right? So we want to be very careful about how dogmatic we get here. It would be one thing if at the end of the, of the, of the section, Jesus said, I, I told them about how to have a holy walk. But it doesn't do that. So we have to make some assumptions here. right? And sometimes that can be dangerous. All right? Everybody ready? All right, what time is it? Oh, man, you've got to be kidding me. Okay, all right, here we go. When the sinner trusts the Savior... He is bathed all over, and his sins are washed away and forgiven. They, see, they, they tell us to look at a couple of passages. Let's look at these up really quick. Everybody ready? 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. First Corinthians 6, verse 9. Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed. What is the Greek word for washed there? The commentary doesn't mention this. The commentary leaves this out. Okay. So what's the Greek word here for wash? I don't, I, I, if you can tell me, I don't have to look it up. It may save us time. Verse 11? Is it not luo? Oh, it's a completely different Greek word. It's a derivative of luo. Apoluo, okay. Right, so it's a derivative. Okay, but to wash fully. Agreed? Yes, to wash fully. To wash fully. All right, so it carries the same idea. All right, same idea. That, now, they, they don't bother. Now, see, this is where the commentary should have given the Greek word here because they, they made sure they mentioned nip, Nipto and Luo, but they, they, they just completely ignore this one. But this is important because we're building that. Now, here seems to be referring to, hey, this is, this is a washing that cleanses you. All right? Now, I've got I've to ask a theological question here. This will cause great, this will gr- cause great controversy. Are right, everybody looking at 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11? Because you know, I can't, just, I can't just leave us on something simple here, right? Okay, verses 9 through 11. I want you to look at that carefully. It does say we were washed, right? How do we typically understand that washing? This, this, this is a major controversy between Roman Catholicism and Protestantism. I, don't, don't think baptism here. Don't think baptism. What's being washed away? Guilt or action? You see how where Catholics can use this? They're going to be like, salvation is not just an imputation of a righteousness. It's a washing away of all the bad actions and now giving you new actions. 
So therefore, the washing is an infusing. And many Protestants preach it. Have you not heard it preached this way? You were that! You're not that anymore! Okay? Yes? You don't do those things anymore. If you do those things, it shows you were never washed, therefore you are never saved. That's, that, that, that's, that's pretty much how, how it's preached all the time in Protestant churches. And the Catholics are like, well, welcome back. Welcome back to, to the church. About time y'all come back. Yeah, but, and they're like, how dare you? We're not Catholics. Well, you just sound very Catholic right then. When you're washed in salvation, what is washed? It's the guilt, right? Because you can't tell me that, that there can be, are you going to tell me that there are saved? Because this is, how we, this is what we typically do, all right? We play such games in the Protestant world sometimes it drives me crazy. All right, the unrighteous cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Stop right there. All right, so if this washes away all unrighteousness, that means you can never do any unrighteousness because the unrighteous will never inherit the kingdom of God. So how do Protestants work around that? Well, it doesn't mean that you're never going to be unrighteous. It just means the general direction of your life will be righteous. But a general direction is not perfect righteousness. That would be unrighteousness with signs of righteousness. You can't, you can't say that it's either any unrighteousness would keep you out. Because the unrighteous cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So what has to be washed away is the guilt of unrighteousness, not the unrighteousness itself, because we all remain unrighteous. Do you see the problem? All right? Okay, be not deceived. Neither fornicators, okay, no, no fornicators nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. We'll leave the idolatry aside for a second. There's sexual sin. Now, according to Jesus, what can make you guilty of a sexual sin? Looking and thinking. You're telling me that there's nobody in the church ever does that? Yeah, that's the biggest joke in the history of mankind. So what they say is, well, 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 you won't do it all the time. They start trying to make hedge their bet. No, 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 no. Yeah, how many times before you're on right? Like, see, it's just ridiculous. Then you put in idolatry. What's, what's required to be guilty of idolatry? Anything you put before God, oh, give me a break. People put their grandkids before God, their kids before God, their job, their spouse. They put everything before God. So, I mean, the whole church is filled with idolatry. So, you, you see, well, this washing has to refer to something other than the washing away of the unrighteousness because the unrighteousness remains. I can't stand when I hear those sermons like, no, that's what you were, but you're no longer that. And I'm like, who are you preaching to, man? Because I guarantee you, you're still like that in some way, shape, or form. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, good. I, I, hope, I hope that makes sense. All right. So, but there is a washing. This washing would be referring to the washing of salvation, yes? yes. Because it's referring to you were, now you're this. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm different in my washing because all of my guilt has been washed away and I've been now covered in the imputed righteousness of Christ, yes? Okay. All right. Now, We've got to go to, oh man, we're already out of time. This cannot be happening. We can't be out of time. All right. Um, they give us some more, but we don't have time to get into that. I'm just going to read these quickly. All right, here we go. When the sinner trusts the Savior, he is bathed all over, and his sins are washed away and forgiven. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11, for, uh, Titus 3, 3 through 7, and Revelation 1, 5. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Hebrews 10, 7. However, as the believer walks in this world, it is easy to become defiled. He does not need to be bathed all over again. He simply needs to have that defilement cleansed away. Now, just stop right here. Just stop right here. That destroys. It's so weird. Preachers who preach John 13 will make this distinction, right? That if you're Luo, that's salvation, Nipto is what you need to be cleansed from your daily sin. But then they'll go to 1 Corinthians 6 and say, no, you were washed. You're not like that anymore. No, this would indicate I'm still very much like that. That's why I need to have what washed? My feet on a regular and consistent basis because I still find daily defilement from my sin and my actions. Yes? 
So that means you would have to completely reinterpret 1 Corinthians 6. If you believe that what Jesus is teaching is that we need daily cleansing from our quote-unquote extremities, demonstrating, right, our extremities, not extremity, extremities, okay, we have to be washed from our extremities because we find daily defilement. And what would that be? That when he says you have no part with me, he's not referring to salvation. You need nipto so that you can remain in fellowship with. Luo, I'm saved. Nipto is my walking with. And how do we get that daily cleansing? That nipto. How do we get that nipto cleansing? God's word. What else? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That has to be referring to the daily cleansing type of, of, of being cleansed and not the luo. Does that make some sense? All right. Now we're going to have to stop right there. I don't want to stop right there. We're getting, we're getting right close. But we had to spend all of that time making sure that there's no question. There is a, I just want you to see this literally, I've heard preachers preach John 13 as you're luoed, that means you're saved, but you need nipto because you constant, you know, you get dirty on a regular consistent basis, right? You, you constantly are, in a sense, contaminated with the sins that you commit. And they'll preach that. Then they go over to 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and when they preach that, how do they preach it? That's what you were. You're no longer that. You don't do those things. And if you do, it proves you're never saved. I'm like, how can you preach John 13 one way, 1 Corinthians 6 another way, and not hear yourself contradicting yourself? If I can get daily defilement, then that means it's not that I was washed and never like that again. It means the defilement of what I was still shows up on a regular and consistent basis. Why is that? Because what I was, I still am, because I still have the sinful nature in me. And if I have the sinful nature in me, it's going to manifest itself where? In my eyes, my hands, and my feet. Where I walk, what I touch, and what I look upon. And that goes with my thinking and my desires. It's, isn't it amazing that we can go to one passage and completely deny the very theology we teach in another passage? And you know what blows my mind? Is people will sit in church and say amen to the John 13 passage and then say amen to the 1 Corinthians 6 and never realize that they said amen to two completely contradictory ideas. Sometimes I think when people hear preaching and say amen, they don't even know what they're saying amen to. Does that make sense? So when we hear that we've been washed from all unrighteousness, that's not washed from the, the presence of unrighteousness. It's from the guilt of it. Okay? Because the unrighteousness still exists where? In us? On us? And our thoughts? And our words? And our actions? And our desires? And if you deny that, you're insane. And look, even the people who preach it that way, they don't even deny it because they always say, well, you're not going to do it perfectly. And, and Well, okay, well, the minute you say, that means it's going to be there. So don't tell me that's what I was and I'm no longer that. I will always be that practically, but I'm no longer that positionally. Positionally, I have been completely bathed. and completely. I do think, and I'll just have to say this, I think it's fascinating that Luo refers to the washing of a dead body. Because all of us are dead in our trespasses and sins. Yeah. We, we, we've been wounded. We're dead. God washes us. Luo. Now, all we need is our extremities to be cleansed so that we can walk in fellowship with him. That our contamination hurts our fellowship, not our salvation. Does that make sense? All right. 
And now I wanted to work on it more to try to prove this, but I had to kind of jump and get ahead. But I hopefully that I'm going to make sure no one's asked any questions. All right. Okay. <laughs> Twyla said we should start church on Wednesdays at six and go till eight. Okay. Well, yeah. And someone's like, he was just getting started. I know. I know. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 I ran out of time, but, but I, you, but you see why we did the, I spent the time doing what we did on the language? Because I just wanted you to see it for yourself. Because commentaries will just say, this is Nipto, this is Luo, boom! Here's a conclusion. Well, someone else could come along and go, well, wait a minute. Nipto is used about someone who washed in a pool. And Sarah did a good job of going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So that's good. That's exactly what I wanted to happen. So that's good. All right. Any questions? No? All right. So for now on Wednesday, we'll start at 5 and go to 9, okay? Because that's what Twyla said, okay? All right. No, I'm just joking. All right. Wait, someone just asked something? Okay. Uh, do I? Yeah. Lincoln and Lincoln uh, and Levi may have be, be waiting for uh, Twyla when she comes out of the nursery. And they'll be like, uh, what did you say? Okay. All right. Okay. One. One. Like, I don't know much about math, but I know one is smaller than two. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you this evening. Lord, this is some very, very important concepts. Very important truths. This is the study we've been working on all week. Hopefully now we've just sparked even more thought and discussion. And by the end of this week, we will understand John 13 better than we ever have. And I hope it, it, it gets us to really think and teaches us how to pay close attention to how words are used or not used so that we never fall for any misleading found in commentaries. We ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.